This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, Matt, fellow adventurers, we are once again back with Sir Quokington, and we've decided to visit the village of Hawklaw, because for the for the upcoming quest, the Glowing Doom, which is in Port Halleck, which we'll just pop to right now. One of the adventures you have to do to unlock it is Underfoot. And I want that to be, I want to be able to start that very quickly when it becomes available, which I think will be fairly soon. So to do, I just happen to know, because I've been playing this game a lot, that to unlock Underfoot, you have to do the adventure A Wuff Night in the Stoneback. Which is in Hawklaw. And so is Underfoot. So here, here, here comes the adventure. A rough night in the Stoneback. A band of mercenaries on their way to Trithic. Have dropped into Hawklaw's friendly tavern. To quench their thirsts. Well, let's see what happens. The raucous din that greets you as you stride up to the front door of the Stoneback Tavern is quite out of place for a pretty poor, usually well-ordered establishment. You pause before the dark, timbered door and listen intently to what sounds like a sizable crowd of drunken patrons before taking a deep breath and stepping into the small village's favourite, and only, watering hole. The moment you step into the tavern, you find yourself staring out across a common room, filled with what at first appears to be a large number of soldiers. After a few minutes, you realise the men, each of them clad in either leather or chain, are likely mercenaries. Your, Your best guess is this large and unruly band of fighters is heading north towards Trithic, where they no doubt hope to become part of the mercenary fort. That's helped restore ward law and order to much of the notorious Witherport. Judging by the level of noise rising out of the drunken troop group, which which you number at around twenty, and the overall crudeness of their behaviour, you're certain it won't be long until a small disaster among the whups in the midst of the common room. Suddenly, you become aware of a figure approaching from your left. You turn to find Cornyn, the head of Hawklaw's militia, striding up to you with a look of extreme relief on his face. Thank the old father, he says, exhaling sharply as he steps forward and initiates his shoulder cross. Of all the folks I prayed for, prayed for to walk through that door. Nice bit of timing on your part, Sir Crokington. You ask Corwin about the large and unruly gathering of men and he confirms your suspicions. He tells you they are indeed mercenaries, heading for Twithick. For the better part of the afternoon, they've been camped out in the tavern. So far, nothing's come of her, he says, casting a wary eye across the room. They've been swelling, but they've been pairing up. Nothing broken yet, no one's hurt. Of course, it's all just a matter of time. <coughs> old Pili- old Pilipor. Old people not want to turn away a patron who's through with his gold mind. It's a bit tired of the lot, though. I'm not afraid to try to move them out at this word. 
but I would be happy to know you're at my side. You would be so kind. Well, of course I'll, of course I'll help him. Corin nods and tells you he's going to go and have a word with Pinipor. You remain just inside the inside the door, your eyes fixed on the loud and increasingly volatile situation brewing in the crowded com room. When Corin returns, he tells you that Pinipor has just told him. The mercenaries have stopped paying for their ale. He's been collecting it from that ornery fellow over there, says Corin, nodding into action of particularly brutal-looking man, clad only in leather breeches and a red cloth shirt. He's the leader of his crew, and either his gold's run out or his bravado has grown. Suddenly, the man Corin has pointed out to you, stands up and hurls a hail of courses at Spilipor from across the womb, demanding more ale. Hey, don't mess with the barkeep. He's the guy with the ale. <laughs> so if you want ale, you've got to be nice to him. It's the rules. The men in his company war with laughter, and several of them toss their flagons in the direction of the fireplace. The leader, feeding off the approval his belligerence has elected from his men, is about to shout something else at Pudipur when he suddenly falls silent and turns to his wife. There, standing at the edge of the table, are you and Corin. Corin is about to speak when your own wa- wavering voice sounds above the din that fills the common room, and he politely but firmly asks the mercenary captain to take his, leave, take his men and leave the tavern. Your request is, is at first met with silence. Then, the broad-shouldered leader of the mercenaries smirks and shakes his head. You're quite white, of course, he says, nodding. We're finished here, lads. Get the horses. We're moving out. You glance at Clorin, whose grim stare is still fixed on the man standing in front of you. Here's, here's for any trouble, says the leader, as he produces a pout cloth pouch and tosses it on the table. Now, if you'd be so kind as to step aside, we'll be on our way, friends. As the mercenary band begins to file out the tavern, the leader, who steps in front of you on the way to the door, suddenly turns and throws a swift punch at Glorian. The unexpected and well-placed punch catches Corin squarely on the jaw and sends him to the floor and heap. Oh dear. Well, you throw the first punch, so now... Now I can do violence too. With a surprising speed and agility, the leader draws a broadsword and spins to face you as his men, many of them calling for your blood, rush back towards the common room and, and form a deep wing around the impending confrontation. Just a quick lesson, he says, turning the flat of his blade towards you. I'll try not to leave more than a few marks. Alright, I have a lot. There's quite a few ways to respond here. You can use telekinesis, elementalism, illusion, or there might still be a chance to chance to talk this out. Or I could just using diplomacy. Or I could just, you know, give him the fight that he wants so much. Hmm. Alright, I'm gonna try diplomacy. Let's just see. Successfully used it. 32 experience diplomacy. It takes you only a few moments for you to employ your oppressive way, way of diplomatic skills, skills and effectively defuse the escalating situation. Not only do you manage to get the mercenaries to hand over the gold they owe to Prillipore, but you also convinced the brazen sword-wielding leader to sheath his weapon and help Corin regain his feet. Yeah, I probably mentioned, oh yeah, I am well acquainted with Thane Pond, and maybe if I were to mention what, what a ragamuffin, ragamuffin and disorderly person you are and your band, it might, hmm, it might make it more difficult for you to be hired. Hmm? Now, maybe if you just, you know, pay up and smooth this out, 
maybe I won't do that. The mercenary captain apologizes you, Pilipor, and Curin for turning leading his stunned crew out of the tavern. That's certainly a most amazing amazing toad, says Pilipor, striding up and slapping you on the back. The tavern keeper runs his broad hand across his face and sighs. Obviously we relieved the mercenaries are now gone, and that a less favourable outcome has been avoided. Maybe they'll mind themselves a bit more from here on out, says Corin, wincing as he strokes his lower jaw. We'll say, though, that their captain hurls a fairly decent fist. I'd like to have that moment back, though. Might not get so lucky a second time. With the mercenaries gone, and the Stonebacks' common room now completely empty, you wander over to the fire and take up residence at a table just to the left of the hearth. Curin, still nursing his tender jaw, follow, follows you and drops himself heavily, heavily into the chair. Pilipor arrives at the table a few moments later, bearing two, two frothing fragments of thick, bitter ale. To think I trade an entire room of thirsty patrons for the likes of you two, he says, smirking, as he sets down the ale. Oh, well, I never had much of a sense for this business, you know. But the brew on your hand? Now, that's my true domain. Hold, hold, hold. Hold off on that for just a minute. I'll, I'll fetch one for myself and join you. Well, what can be said, says Curin as Pilipor strides off towards the casks at the back of the tavern. It's the old rough night at the old stone back. And that finishes this adventure for 128 experience to general. Now, if you to play it yourself, you could see what the other options lead to. But now... Okay, just going to save that. And let go. Okay, I think some of a couple of new adventures have been unlocked. I'm not sure which ones because I wasn't paying attention, but one of them is certainly underfoot. Which is the one we want to do, so we might as well just begin that right now. The young man's fixed, fierce stare is fixed on you as he holds up his white hand for silence and asks if you are ready. Here we go. Please, please, there must be absolute silence as I prepare to execute my final and most daring feat. With his bold announcement rising above the incessant din that fills the common room of the stone-backed tavern, the young trickster, his long ebony locks sweeping across his bony face, scrutinises the faces of those gathered to witness the finale to the entertaining spectacle. I've seen all these before, says Pilipor, the tavern's proprietor, who's taken up a chair, what, taking a chair right up front. Taking a chair up front, right next to you. But this last one is supposedly something new. It's a, it's a white, white tight bunch in this place tonight too. So we best deliver something a bit out of the ordinary. You suddenly find something brushing against your leg and look down to find candles. Pilipor's scrawny but much loved cat circling your feet. You reach down and give the cat a quick pat on its arcing back. Well, I guess more reach across. Because, you know, I'm, I'm small. The trickster, who, who at the out, outset of his performance, introduced himself as Zazawak the Mysterious, announces he is now prepared to perform an amazing feat. And he will... And he will require... the participation of someone in the crowd. Go on, get up there, was Pilipor, slapping you on the back and drawing every eye in the room to you. There she is, right here, a being to whom fear is unknown. After casting a roithering glance at the tavern keeper, 
you slowly rise, take a mock bow to the cheering throng of patrons, and stride up to the trickster, eager to be done with whatever part you will play in the final act of this performance. After greeting you with a deep bow, Zazawak announces he will use his extraordinary magical powers to make you disappear. This, this elixir took a chorus of jeers from the Conroon crowd, at which the young trickster only smiles. This is going to be a bit of real magic, whispers Zazawak as he turns to face you. Don't worry though, there's no harm that will come with it. This wing will provide the necessary means. Trickster twists a gold wing fitted on his white index finger. And now, friend, he says in a loud, clear voice, before you can even attempt to ask him for more details about the impending trick, say farewell to this brave, brave toad, at least for the next few moments, as I will now endeavour to make her vanish right before your astonished eyes, without warning. A thick column of red smoke rises up from Zazarok's feet, swiftly enveloping both you and the trickster. Just remain still, he whispers to you, through a cloud of smoke that now obscures him. I'll have you back to your rightful size in just a few moments. A strange sensation washes over you, and for a moment you feel you might lose consciousness as the sensation swiftly fades. But as the cloud of red smoke begins to clear, and you gaze about at your surroundings, the last words spoken by the trickster echo through your mind. I'll have you back to your rightful size in just a few moments. Standing before you, taller than a mountain giant, is Zazawak. With panic setting in, you cast your gaze about the tavern, only to realise, much to your horror, that everything within sight People and objects are all gigantic, even more so than usual. As promised in the fleeting moments before the execution of this final act, the trickster has somehow shrunk you. As you struggle to stave off the deliberating effects of panic, okay, not that deliberating, I'm sort of used to this, you quickly estimate, based on your proportionate size to objects around you, you are no more than... Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. I'll be two inches tall now, so. Nor two inches tall, but Sir Crockett is going to be even smaller than that, so. One eighth of an inch tall. Yes, yes. Even tinier. Really tiny. Your heart sinks and anger swells within you as the rumbling voice of Zazawak announces that something has gone terribly wrong. For a moment, you believe his words are meant to elicit a, a reaction from the spectators, but when you catch sight of the fearful, horrified expression spreading across his face, you realise that all is not white. The danger inherent in your newfound state only takes moments to become apparent. I'm just too tiny! I'm so tiny, no one could save me! In an instant, the common room is thrown into an uproar of noise and activity. Pilipor springs to his feet and angrily demands that Zazawak make him reappear. You dive to the right, only narrowly avoiding being crushed beneath the sole of the tavern keeper's worn leather boot as he steps forward to add a threat of a blow to, the, to his venomous request. The din is deafening. Shouts, curses and accusations fill the air like the rumble of thunder and you're forced to dodge the footfalls of angry tavern patrons as they rush forward to join in Pilipor's angry protest. We learn at once it'll only be a matter of time before you, you meet an untimely and gruesome demise underfoot. You dash across the uneven floor timbers, heading for a dark, sizable opening at the base of the wall in the corner. Navigating the common room floor proves to be no easy task. At every step, you find yourself dodging a footfall or the moving leg of a chair as the patrons push back from their seats and rush over to examine the spot where you last stood. Look, would everyone stop moving? Okay? Everyone stop moving. Oh, you can't hear me, can you? Because I'm teeny. Teeny, teeny, teeny. <laughs> Even more so than usual. Picking a number. 
Bolus of 48. 20 from agility. 9 from body. 19 from luck. Got to get 75 or more, or presumably I'll get stepped on or something. Pick now. 69. Failure. You're moving swiftly towards the opening at the base of the wall. When you're struck from behind, and above, I guess, by a sliding chair leg. Six damage. And I thought, fortunately, uh, I'm so small, I just kind of fall with it. So I only take six damage. Despite being knocked down by the force of the impact, you stagger to your feet. And quickly continue your dash across the perilous expanse. You continue to scurry across the common room floor, desperately seeking to reach the sizable opening at the base of the wall in the corner. All around you, moving chair legs and stomping feet of, ta of tavern patrons serve to make each step more perilous than the last. You're drawing closer to a hole in the wall. Alright, same check again. Pick now. 73, failure. You're struck. You're moving swiftly towards the opening at the base of the wall when you're struck from the right by a sliding chair leg. 10 damage. Despite being knocked down by the force of this impact, which fortunately gets me a little bit closer, you stagger to your feet and quickly resume, resume your hopping across the perilous expanse. You continue to, sco to scurry across the tavern room floor desperately seeking to reach a sizable opening at the base of the wall in the corner. All around you, moving chair legs and the stomping feet of tavern patrons serve to make each step more perilous than the last. You're drawing closer to the hole in the wall. It's the same check again. Pick now. 141. Success! Yes! Third time's a charm. You manage to dodge the many moving perils that surround you as you move closer and closer to the opening at the base of the wall. Continue to scurry across the common moon floor, desperately seeking to reach the sizable opening at the base of the wall in the corner. All around you, moving chair legs and the stomping feet of tavern patrons serve to make each step more perilous than the last. You're drawing very near to the hole in the wall. Picking a number. Bonus of 48 and same as before. Got to get 75, pick now. 69, failure. Not nice at all. You're moving towards towards the opening wall when you're struck from behind by a sliding chair leg. Eight damage. Despite being knocked down by the force of the impact, you hop to your feet and continue quickly your dash across the perilous expanse. You continue to scurry across the camp common room floor, desperately seeking to reach the sizable opening at the base of the wall in the corner all around you. Moving chair legs and stomping feet of tavern patrons serve to make each step more perilous than the last. Save Jack again, pick now. 79, success. You manage to dodge the many moving perils that surround you as you move closer and closer to the opening of the base of the wall. Alright, 16 XP to general. You reach the opening at the base of the wall and quickly duck into the dark hole. Thankful to be momentarily removed from the deadly common womb stampede. The war of the many voices filling the common room has become a deafening, unintelligible din. Despite your inability to focus on any lone voice in the ear-shattering cacophony, you sense that harsh accusations are being levelled at Zazawak, and that the trickster is finding themselves hard-pressed to offer up acceptable defence. With your ears winging, you retreat further into the shadowy space at the base of the wall, Seeking just a moment's reprise from the incessant howl. That moment you realise you've made a grave mistake. The sound of something heavy striding suddenly across the common room floor just outside the hole you tweeted into fills you with dread. Before you can reach the opening it disappears, leaving you in total darkness. Now blocking the route for which you entered this base is the thick leg of one of Pudipo's better chairs. With the, with the impossibly heavy chair leg now spanning the entirety of the opening, going black back through the hole is not an option. Moments later, your trusty light source flares to life, revealing that, that you're in a hollow space between the co common room floor and the door 
of one of the tavern's back rooms. Despite a growing sense of desperation, you resolve to find your way out of your current predicament and back into the con room. Only then you realise there will be be a chance that Zakrot can return you to your full size. Well, yes, and my natural size shifting doesn't, you know, get me big enough either. <laughs> I tried that. No, that 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 gets me to just a couple of inches tall. So. You're standing just to the east of the hole through which you've entered this space between the tavern walls. The chair leg that's pushed up against the opening is still in place, blocking what would be the easiest route of escape. Chunks of stone, splintered fragments of wood, and the protruding, blunted end, ends of nails serve to reveal that any movement you might attempt along the mech shift corridor will prove to be both slow and treacherous. Okay, I'm in a little corridor that that just kind of curves back round again, goes goes east, goes north, then then goes west again. You freeze in your tracks as a large, dark shape zooms out of the shadows ahead. You overcome with revulsion as a massive cockroach struggles into your ball of might. The Benemoth-sized insect scuttles forward to attack. While you realise the creature you face is only gigantic due to your shrunken state, facing the encroaching monstrosity is a terrifying proposition. Well, I could hold my ground or attempt to flee. I'm going to see what happens if I try to flee. You turn and take flight across the debris-strewn tunnel. Must your horror, the giant woe ch chases you through the narrow confines of the twisting makeshift passage. Picking a number. Bonus of 48, 20 from agility, 10 from luck, 18 from thievery. Got to get 75 or more, or it will catch me. Pick now. 143. After a lengthy chase, you manage to evade the creature. You spend a few moments checking over your equipment and catching your breath, for once again setting off in search of a way out of this gloomy maze. I guess I hide into a. I guess I hide in a corner that's just too small for it to fit. Okay, you're making your way through a narrow space between two walls, within stone backed tavern. Chunks of stone, splintered fragment, fragments of wood, and protruding, blunted ends of nails make your progress along the makeshift corridor both slow and treacherous. Okay. Now making my way north and then back west. Oh yeah, there's a little alcove to the north. I'll test that out. You, you reach the end of the debris-strewn passage and are about to turn back when suddenly the deep gloom that clings to the edge of the corridor begins to churn with activity. You watch with glowing horror as a swarm of giant mice emerge from the shadows to fill the narrow tunnel. Instinctively, you tweet several yards along the passage as the wiving tide of vermin surges in your direction. You hopefully count a total of ten mice. Realise that if you engage the swarm, flight will not be possible once combat has begun. So I can fight or flee. Mm, fight. You bravely hold your ground as you prepare to engage the first of the giant mice. Well, giant in, of course, quotation marks because... I'm even tinier than usual. Begin combat. The giant mouse washes in and attacks. I stab it and it is slain. For XP, the lifeless carcass of the giant mouse lands on the floor of the tunnel at your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away a steady stream of sweat pouring down your brow. With the sweat streaking down your brow, do I sweat? I don't know. If I do sweat, it is... It's happening. You bravely engage the next giant mouse. Alright. Rushes in and attacks. Stabity stab. Fork speed. The lifeless carcass of the giant mouse la lands on the floor of the tunnel at your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away the steady stream of sweat pouring down your butt. If I do sweat, that is. 
Alright, here's three. Step, 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 step. Okay. I'm just going to quick. I'm just going to go. Here's number four. I'm just going to go through these quickly. Look out. I'm going to look out for any specials that might happen. I'm not sure if there is one. That's five. If there is any specials, I'll weed them out. And that's, that's another 4xp. Yep, not much combat xp. 4xp for that. Here's number eight. Stabity, stab, stab, stab. The penultimate. Alright. And here is the final one. Wary and gasping for breath, you boldly engage the last of the giant mice. Here we are, so stabity, stab, 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 stab. It is slain. 4xp, the lifeless carcass of the giant mouse, land, lands on the floor. The tunnel at your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away the steady stream of sweat pouring down your brow. At last, nothing else moves in the gloomy corridor. 128 experience to general. You make a quick search of the debris that fills the tunnel. You your search turns up nothing of any particular interest. Well, there wouldn't be regular loot because who would shrink that? It's all the no other regular loot would even fit in here. After spending a few moments adjusting your equipment, you once again set off in search of a way out of these dark, festering tunnels. Okay, there's a little passage to the to the west. The passage enters a tall pile of debris that rises up to meet the threshold of another makeshift tunnel above. By climbing up and over the heap of splintered wood and crumbling stone, you could easily reach the new section of the passage. You're subtly startled by the sound of movement from somewhere near the base of the debris pile. You watch in horror as a massive cockroach emerges from the gloom and moves swiftly in your direction. Well, it's in the way, so I have to fight it. You bravely hold your ground as the massive cockroach closes in on you, preparing to make a quick meal out of the tiny, tiny creature that has brazenly invaded its massive lair. It's a massive cockroach, let us fight it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply lunges at you, I stab at it, it is slain. 5 XP and then 32 experience to general. You step back from the remains of the fearsome creature and spend the next several moments catching your breath and checking over your equipment. The passage ends as a tall pile of debris that rises up to meet the threshold of another makeshift tunnel above. By climbing up and over the heap of splintered wood and crumbling stone, you could easily reach the new section of the passage, climb up to the next section of the passage, taking care not to lose your footing on the tall, shifting pile of debris. You climb to the top of the heap and make your way into the higher passage. You're standing at the eastern edge of a narrow, makeshift debris choke tunnel. To the east, the passage opens up into the top of a steep pile of splintered wood and crumbling stone. Staring down this treacherous slope, you can make out the gloom-filled tunnel you previously climbed out of. Let's go west. Life probably actually isn't peaceful there. Alright. I'm in a little... Sir... I'm in a cir little circular room. 
east, yeah, I've, I've come from the eastern end, and there's stuff in the northwest. You're freezing your tracks as a large, dark shape glooms out the shadows ahead. You watch in glowing terror as a massive wattworm split slivers into the pool of light. The Benemoth-sized Slavager scaps its powerful jaws as it closes in to attack. While well, you realise the creature is only gigantic due to your shrunken state, facing the encroaching monstrosity is a terrifying proposition. What is a wattworm? These, these small, white, multiple tentacle grub-like creatures commonly infest wood, which they ravishly devour. You fi if to find yourself in any danger from these harmless creatures, you need to be about two inches tall, or even smaller. Which I am right now. Okay, hold your ground and engage the giant wattworm. The giant wattworm fearlessly closes on on you, prepared to make an easy meal out of the tiny creature that has dared to prowl through the shadowy lair. It's a giant wattworm begin combat. The giant wattworm surges forward and attacks. Keep going. I do a special. It is slain. 4 XP. Following your victory, you spend a few moments checking over equipment for once again setting up your way out of this gloomy maze. Alright, I'm at the northwest corner to the north. You reach the end of the debris choke passage and are about to turn back when, when suddenly the deep gloom that clings to the edge of the corridor begins to churn with activity. You watch with growing horror a swarm of giant roaches emerge from the shadows to fill the narrow tunnel. Instinctively, you retreat several yards along the passage as the writhing tide of vermin surges in your direction. You hopefully count a total of, nine, of eight roaches. Realise that if you engage the swarm, flight will not be possible once combat has begun. Hold your ground and face the swarm of roaches. Of course I will. A good flavour. Why do I do that? Self-preservation? To get out quickly? Nah, I prefer fighting. You hold, you bravely hold your ground as you prepare to engage the first of the giant cockroaches. Giants, of course, being in quotation marks, because I am currently teeny. Even more so than usual. 4xp. The lifeless carcass of the giant roach lands on the floor. Floor of the tunnel at your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away the steady stream of sweat that may or may not be pouring down my brow and also the west of me. If I do sweat. I don't know if I sweat. I, well, I don't. Sir Crokington. I do not know if Sir Crokington sweats. Maybe Sir Crokington pants? I don't know. Maybe Sir Crokington's just, just looking for some water to jump in, but there's not so... Who knows? Who knows? Well, mm, yeah, I mean, Sir Crokington probably, as an amphibian, doesn't need need the narrow range range of body temperatures that you need when you're a mammal. Because mammals, I mean, if your bo body temperature goes even a couple of degrees out of the 37 degrees it's supposed to be, you start having trouble. But if you're an amphibian, you just work a bit faster. And if you're a bit, and if you're a bit cold, you get a bit slower. I mean, you have the various, the various uh, processes and reactions that power you when you're an amphibian. They have different ways of doing things at different temperatures. So you can still work, even if you're really cold or hotter than usual, which is an advantage. But of course, it means you've got to have, you can't be sure you'll have, if it's cold, you're in a bit of a sticky situation. Because you're going to be all slow and lethargic, and one of those hot-blooded mammals will chew you right up. And then die, but you'll be dead too, so that wouldn't matter. But 
you don't burn nearly as much energy keeping yourself warm. So, swings and roundabouts, swings and roundabouts, being being hot blooded or cold blooded, blooded. You, 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 you can go either way. Okay, here's here's the second one. Just going to stab these quickly, but not quick combat because I'm looking out for a special. Although I'm probably clicking so quickly that if one were to happen, here's number four. Okay, a sudden surge of energy overtakes you as you lay three impossibly swift blows upon your enemy for 24 damage. It is slain. Another four XP, here's number five. We're halfway through already. Half, well, halfway through this swarm. There'll be other swarms. Keep going, here's number six, stabity stab stab stab. Number seven, keep stabbing. Rolled a 20 at the end. Keep going, keep going, and that's the last of them. The lifeless carcass of the light giant rope lands on the floor to cover you your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away the steady stream of sweat pouring down your brow. At last, Nothing else moves in the gloomy corridor. 128 experience to general. You make a quick search of the debris that fills the tunnel. You your search turns up nothing of any particular interest. I mean, if I did find... If I did find equipment here, it would be very, very concerning. Because that would imply that other people had got shrunk and had died in there. Which would be weird and also very disturbing. After spending a few minutes adjusting your equipment, you once again set off in search of a way out of these dark, festering tunnels. Right. Here's another giant woach. Stabity stab stab stab. There he goes. 4 XP. Looking for a way out of the gloomy mage. It's a giant mouse now. Rushes in and attacks and is slain. Another 4 XP. Okay. Alright, going west. The passage ends as a tall pile of debris that rises up to meet the threshold of another makeshift tunnel above. By climbing up and over the heap of splintered wood and crumbling stone, you could easily reach the new section of passage. You're somewhat startled by the sound of movement from somewhere near the base of the debris pile. You watch in horror as a massive rat emerges from the gloom and moves swiftly in your direction. I mean, it's so massive, it could probably its paws are bigger than me. Hold your ground and engage the massive rat. You bravely hold your ground as the massive rat closes in on you, preparing to make a quick meal out of the tiny creature that has brazenly invaded its shadowy lair. It's a massive rat. Begin combat. The massive rat attacks and is now slain. 5 XP and 32 experience to general. You step back from the remains of the fearsome creature and spend the sex next several moments catching your breath and checking over your equipment. Alright, let's climb up to the next section of the passage. Taking great care not to lose your footing on the tall, shifting pile of debris. You climb to the top of the heap and make your way into the higher passage. Okay, let's go west. I could go down there again, but there's no particular reason to. Okay, the passage is going west. Okay, now it goes south, but there's a little alcove to the west. You reach the end of the debris-strewn passage, and about to turn back, when suddenly the deep gloom that clings to the edge of the corridor begins to churn with activity. You watch with growing horror as a swarm of giant rats emerge from the shadows to fill the narrow tunnel. Instinctively, you retreat several yards along the passage as the writhing tide of vermin surges in your direction. You hurriedly count a total of six rats. You realise that if you engage the swarm, flight will not be possible once combat has begun. Well, that's never concerned me before, so engage the swarm of rats. You hold your ground as you prepare to engage the first of the giant rats. 
comparatively giant. They're still actually regular rat size. It is slain. 4xp. The lifeless carcass of a giant rat lands on the floor of the tunnel at your feet. Okay. Just gonna stabity stab stab stab. That's rat number two down. Whether I sweat or not, don't know. That's just what the text says. 4xp. Do keep going. Here's what the penultimate whack. The penultimate destiny. Alright. Wary and gasping for breath. Boldly engage the last of the giant wats. Begin combat. It attacks and is slain. 4xp. The lifeless carcass of the giant wat lands on the floor of the tunnel at your feet. You step back from the creature's remains and wipe away the steady stream of sweat pouring down your brow. At last, nothing else moves in the gloomy corridor. 128 experience to general. You make a quick search of the debris that fills the tunnel. Tucked away beneath, behind a pile of debris, you discover a massive silver wing. You, you quick, you immediately with. Realise that the wing, which would easily fit round your waist, is only gigantic due to your shrunken state. A crudely engraved description of the inside of the worn silver band reads, To my beloved Pilipor. You wonder how the wing, which obviously belongs to Pilipor, found its way into the dark nook inside the tavern walls. Despite its tremendous bulk, you pick up the wing and decide to take it with you. Hoping to present it to the cavern keeper, should you find your way out of this shadowy maze alive. I have a massive silver wing. It's technically still armour for your finger. Although, <laughs> I'd be half tempted just to have it be armour waste. Just to emphasise just how big this thing is. This massive silver wing bears a crudely engraved description on the inside of its worn band. The description reads, To my beloved Pillipore, due to your shrunken state, the wing, which could easily fit around your waist, is extremely bulky. It has an encumbrance of 20. That's more. That's more than a... That's more than a war... That's, that's, that's more than a halibard. <laughs> this is very, very heavy indeed. And I could technically equip it, but obviously it has no stats. Because it's just a regular wing. It's just really big. Hmm. I imagine it, but if you were to wear it as a belt, It'd probably have some stats. But I'm not going to equip it as fun. Nope. But nope, it, it's armour. It's, it's, it's finger armour, even though there's no way it could fit on your finger. After spending a few moments adjusting your equipment, you once again set off in search of a way out of these dark, festering tunnels. Okay, and there's a passage to the south. You're standing at the southern end of a narrow, makeshift tunnel that runs just inside the base of Stoneback's common room floor wall. A pile of splintered wood and crumbling rock lies at the end of the passage. Your eyes drip upward from the heap of debris and you spot a bright patch of flickering light stabbing through the gloom far above. Realise at once the patch of light is a small opening in the wall that must lead to the common room. The sound of thundering voices sail through the narrow fissure. You believe that if you could somehow reach the opening, you might easily escape from this shadowy perilous lair. The walls here, riddled with bent, blunted end of iron nails, and comprised of cracked stone and wart wood, seem to readily lend themselves to climbing. Hmm. I'm 
guessing the little stones are hmm, pro probably just bits from the mortar. Hmm, wattle and daub, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, probably mortar. Mortar is going to have lots of lots of little stones in it. Still, the opening is far above. And a fall from any significant height of this narrow place might easily prove fatal. So I could use gating or telekinesis at level 40 and 50. But this time I'm just going to attempt to climb to the opening. You, you break your way way up the inside of the wall. Using the blunted protruding ends of iron nails and cracks in the stone as footholds. As you edge closer to the small ledge and... And the lighted opening far above. Picking a number. Bonus of 67. 19 for woodmanship. 20 for agility. 18 from body. 10 for might. Got to get 100 or more or I will fall down. Pick now. 144 success. After an arduous climb. Well I guess probably what I actually do is I just. Go, up, go all the way up in one really big jump. After an arduous climb, you reach a small wooden outcropping. With a, with a final edge, final effort, you warily pull yourself up onto the narrow ledge. Standing on the wooden outcropping just before the light-filled opening that leads out of what you realise leads out onto what you realise is the mantle above the tavern's fireplace. You can hear the roar of voices from the comm room. It seems your frantic search for you has not abated. Realising that lingering within the wall will only invite further danger, you step out through the opening and into the broad, somewhat cluttered mantle and again and gain an immediate view of the bustle that fills the stone back. The far, far left end of the mantle, shouting for everyone to watch where they're stepping, is Prillipur. The tavern keep shakes his head, and curses at two men who nearly bump into him as they pass by, their eyes scouring the floor for any sign of you. Several patrons crowd around the trickster as the young man, young man, ex expertly empties a flagon, expertly empties a flagon of ale with a well-practiced flip of his wrist. He wipes his mouth on his sleeve and sighs. The patrons. Patrons bag him to make good of his trick and have you reappear. I've already told you I can't, he says, his wavering voice betraying his growing sense of indignation. Can't bring her back unless you find her. She has. She, 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 she has to be here somewhere. Oh, for the sake of the old father. Why do I have to do that trick? You begin jumping and shouting as you move along the mantle. Winding your way past candlesticks and crooked vases. You're confident that if you can get close enough to Pillipore, you can get his attention. You cover a considerable distance when a strange rumble from behind startles you. You'd instinctively turn round in an effort to identify the source of the sound. What greets your eyes is a sight that makes your blood run cold. Creeping along the mantle behind you, its glowing eyes fixed ravishly on you is the massive paws. And its massive paws landing with barely a whisper. It's Candles the Cat. The scrawny feline, moving with the precision and stealth of a beast on the hunt, is swiftly closing in on you. You have no desire to harm Pilipor's beloved cat, but you realise that unless you find a way to defend yourself, You'll likely end up as a snack for the scrawny predator. Oh, well, this would. Oh dear, oh dear. So I have a few options. I could use telekinesis, elementalism, gating, archery, or illusion. I could attempt to, f to subdue candles, or just to run away. Now, mechanically... The, be the best option, by a huge margin, is to attempt to subdue candles, because you get a lot of experience for that. So that's what I'm going to do. 
Even though I kind of want to see what happens. Hmm. Do I want a lot of experience or to see something I've never seen before? Hmm. You know what? I'm going to forgo a massive amount of experience. That being 3,000 and... 3,072 to general and 256 to all skills and powers. Just to see what happens if you cast Illusion. Succeeded. 8 XP to Illusion, which is a lot less. You summon your power of, power of Illusion and watch as the perfect likeness of a scurrying mouse appears on your left. The illusionary creature dashes across the mantle, immediately prompting candles to streaking alarm and give chase. Alerted by the noise, Pillipaw turns and swiftly gra grabs candles. He lifts the cat off the mantle and painfully scolds her. He's about to set down set down his precious feline. His eyes suddenly widen and he gasps in alarm. I also used illusion to have a giant arrow pointing at me. You've been spotted. Pillipaw's massive hand shoots down and, well, okay, I guess he leaves his palm open for me to jump on. I jump on it. The giant-sized tavern keeper, his face beaming, promptly calls out in a thunderous voice, proudly announcing you have been found. A swarm of commotion immediately engulfs the calm room as the patrons rush to surround their jubilant host, eager to catch a glimpse of you in his hand. Pillipore pushes through the crowd and sets you down on the table directly in front of the trickster. The young man looks at you, and then Pillipore, as he nervously wugs, his hands together. Go on. Set her white. Pillipore angrily demands. And you consider yourself lucky that our Sir Crokington isn't likely to hold this against you. Admittedly, admittedly, nothing would have happened if you just, you know, all stayed still. But still, Zazarak mumbles something and nods. He snatches up a flagon of ale, resting at his elbow, and quickly drains the half-filled vessel then rubs his hands together and rises from his seat. I'll need absolute quiet, he says, looking first at Pillipore, and then at the throng of patrons squeezed in around the edge of the tavern. Not a peep out of a lot of you, snarls Pillipore, looking first to his left and then to his right. Now, if you'll please, get to it. The trickster, his arms and hands trembling, nods and closes his eyes. He he exhales and twists the gold wing fitted to his white index finger. A strange sensation washes over you, and for a moment you feel as if you might lose consciousness suddenly. Everything suddenly goes black. Your eyes spring open as you wake with a spark to find a dozen faces staring down at you. Pillipore takes hold of your shoulders and raises you... Well, I guess just takes hold of my everything and... And raises you to a seating position on the table you've been lying on. Much to your relief, you're once again your proper size. Or maybe I'm bigger. <laughs> a loud cheer erupts from the throng of patrons gathered about the table. Many hands reach in to slap you on the shoulder. And several vo voiced their profound relief. The trickster, Zazarok, standing in front of you, sighs loudly and collapses back into his seat. A nearby patron places a full flagon in front of him, and the young man swiftly drowns its frothing contents. Yeah, that's understandable. We don't make a ha habit of sitting on, on the table, says Pillipore, smirking. You can please, Sir Coquitin. I think you'll find a chair more to your liking. As you take a seat on the table, Zazuark stammers an apology. You accept his apology. And the ale that follows it. And tell Pinnipoff the next time he should consider taking part in the trick. Well, won't be in here. That I can promise you, he says, glaring at the trickster. Well, I'll not see any of that. So anything of the sort performed in here again. I do hope that's plain to you, my good friend. Zazarok, both his trembling hands still gripping yet another full flag and knot. Come on. Sir Crokington calls a patron from the table behind you. Where'd you go once you were shrunk? I'm sure there's a story to it all. 
How's the is the wing smaller now? Let's have a look. Massive silver wing. It's still twenty in comforts. I guess it grew with me. <laughs> or it will until until the you know it remembers it's supposed to be small. Much to the delight of the tavern's patrons and to Pillipore, who busies himself seeing to a flood of impatient requests for ale. You embark on a rousing account of your adventure inside the walls of the Stoneback. You describe, in great detail, the giant creatures you encountered on your perilous trek through the wall, ending your narrative with your confrontation with candles atop the mantle. An expression of profound horror fixes itself to Zazarok's fate for the duration of your tale. At the conclusion of your account, the patrons salute you with the chorus of cheers, and for the rest of the evening, your shrunken exploits become the subject of grand speculation, idle conversation, and heated banter. Upon finishing your account, Pillipore makes his way over and takes you aside. No done. No harm done, Sir Crocodon, says Pillipore, as he takes you aside and slaps you on the shoulder. Or back, I guess. I don't mind an embellished jar myself. You've got a talent for just the right words. You ask Pelipper what he's talking about. Eventually the wall you just told us about, he says, grinning. I know you were inside the wall. There's no arguing at that point. But the rats, the mice, the roaches? I know for a faint play, in fact, there aren't any of that sort of vermin roaming around in here. After all, that's what I've got candles for. And she's good and fattened, fattened up too from sharing... Snaring the odd crawler that comes in out of the cold. You glance over to the hearth where Candles is sitting, silhouetted in the dancing flames, casually licking the inside of her leg. The scrawny cat rolls over and stretches out before the fire. It then embarks on a, on a furious bout of poor grooming. You certainly recall the silver wing you found. 256 experience the general and 64 experience to all skills and powers. You produce the silver wing you discovered inside the wall and hand it to Pridipor. Remembering at the moment that it's not that it's actually supposed to be wing-sized. The Pridipor gasps as he stares down at the worn silver brand, band now resting in the palm of his hand. Pridipor's eyes mist over as he gazes at the wing. He looks up at you and asks how you came to possess it. When you tell him, he shakes his head in disbelief. Part of me always blamed poor Candles for making off it, he says, smirking. Thank you, Sir Crokington. This means more to me than you could ever know. Thank you. You accept Pillipore's gratitude with a polite bow. It takes the better part of an hour for the incitement in the common wane, co common womb, to give way to the more relaxed state of affairs to which the tavern's patrons and his keeper our customs. The trickster, Zazawak, who confides in you his real name is Jod. Another Jod! There's so many Jods. Apologises repeatedly and tell him quite bluntly that no more apologies are necessary. To lend credulence to his words, you buy him a flagon of ale, which does much to improve his spirits. way. <laughs> Look, I've been transfigured before. This wasn't even permanent, so... Guess it's not really worth getting that much of a fuss about. A night's not soon to be forgotten, says Pinnipore, laughing, as he strides up and thrusts a flaming, frothing flagon into your hand. If I were you, my dear lass, I should make it a point to find someone to chronicle all the strange adventures you seem to find yourself part of. You think they'll remember them, but once they're down is a concise tale, they'll never be forgotten. Pidpaw apologises for the evening soul, but you again tell him apology is not necessary. He rushes off to break up a scuffle taking place at the tambour at the far side of the womb. You're about to make your way over to the fire, having spotted an open seat to the left of the hearth, when someone calls out your name. You turn to find a table of four men, each of them smiling and waving you over. The men, three of them farmers and one a stage driver, are four of the tavern's more familiar faces, and people you've come to know through your visits to the Stoneback. 
realising at once you'll be invited to partake in a game of Udbok. A game of wagers, cards and dice. You make your way over and take a seat that's been drawn up to the table for you. No sooner have you sat down, prepare to engage your fellow players in a contest of skill and luck that will likely cost you a small fortune in gold. Candles appears at your feet, with the swift and silent grace for which a species is known. The scrawny, scrawny cat leaps up onto your lap and curls up, purring softly. And that is the end of that adventure. 1,024 experience to general, and 32 experience to all skills and powers. And, well, and now, let me just check. Let's just go to Port Halleck. Ventures for this location. Okay. Growing Doom isn't yet available. But when it does become available, I'll be able to start it right away. Okay, and that's that. Okay. And now after this brief interruption. The next, the next episode, we'll go back to the copper. We'll go back. We'll go to the Copper Hill Lodge as we intended to. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.